You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon, and I'm really excited to welcome back on the program Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm great. I have to say, my heart skipped a tiny beat before when you said "baby bird" on RTHK Radio Three, and I thought you were referring to me. I thought you were referring to. Me. I thought you were giving me a cute pic, little nickname. <laughs> Baby bird. I was like, oh, thanks for that. That could be your, <laughs> that could be your DJ, DJ name, DJ Baby it Bird. Could be DJ Baby Bird. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs> anyway, um, how am I doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm great, Marie. You know why? I'm, I'm great and I'm positive and I'm optimistic. And as always, for my audio column, I would like to begin with a public service announcement to encourage people to get vaccinated. Oh. And now, back to what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, which we're not talking about vaccination, but I will. I will talk about it until the cows come home. We're talking about sand today. Um, why are we talking about sand? Love Great sand. question. Because my children seem to bring it home with us wherever we go. Even if we go somewhere that doesn't have sand, when they come home, they bring it home with them. We have sand in our home from wherever they've been. So I wanted to talk a little bit about sand. It's obviously summertime. We're having a bit more time at the beach, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just been really interesting. I just thought I'd, I'd have a bit of a think about sand. Sand is obviously a um, fascinating subject. Um, and apparently it is defined as any material made up of grains within a specific size range. So sugar and salt technically are sand. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Grains, yep. maybe. I didn't know there was sand. Absolutely. Um, but less common than, for example, um, sugar and salt would be things like gypsum sand, which gives, um, which is this incredible, the white sand. Um, and this, this very rare variety of sand started out as a shallow seabed about 280 million years ago. So sand is, is quite an ancient thing. It's usually silicon dioxide, which is a compound that makes up most of Earth's crust. It also makes up the mineral quartz and has many uses. So we use silicon dioxide for lots of things, ceramics, concrete, countertops, stuff like that. We use it all the time. Sand, of course, comes in many different colors, depending on what sorts of minerals are in the composition. Um, we've got lots of different uh, things like that. Like you've got tropical beaches where you say like a white sand beach, right? So, you know, oh, it's the white sand beaches of the Maldives or Hawaii or any of those other places. Um, and that's white because it's made up of more calcium carbonate, which is often just the broken down skeletons of coral and other marine life. So that's the reason it's white, which is super fascinating. So, of course, a lot of those white sand beaches are also right next to where people have coral reefs or atoll reefs because it's taken millions and millions of years for that coral to grow and die and grow and die and be broken down into that powdery white sand. Of course, you have things like the black sands of Santorini, Greece. I love that I'm talking about these places as if I've been there. I haven't. I've <laughs> and never apparently been there I never will unless never people start of, getting vaccinated. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of black sand before. Yes, yeah, so black sand beaches are quite famous. Um, now, of course, this is due to the red and black volcanic lava rocks that make up beaches. So a lot of black sand beaches are because they're they're in quite um, you know they're in volcanic areas and things like that, which is super fascinating. Um, of course, um, sand dunes is something we're all familiar with. But I don't really think we have sand dunes in Hong Kong. We don't really have any sand dune kind of areas where you have those kind of grasses and things like that, coastal grasses and plants. Um, but these are a really important ecosystem. This is when the sand, the wind pulls sand into a hill-like shape. 
So those when you have those dunes on the coast. And they can also be found in deserts. That's how they're formed in deserts. And dunes, yes. And sand dunes. But sometimes um, quite high up on beaches too. And we need these dunes to protect our coast from wind and waves. So they have a very important function. And they also provide a safe haven, things like sea turtle nests and other other amazing creatures that need a little bit more shelter and support before they go into go into the actual sea. Of course, now at the beach, as we talked about, most sand is silica made up of quartz crystals that are broken down about as far as they can naturally to about a millimeter in diameter. So that's breaking down, breaking down through wind and waves and all those amazing things. Um, but of course, the silica mixes at the beach with fragments of coral and shell and other kind of biological matter. And that's why it creates such a variety of different things. Um, so of course, as um, you know, you get that uh, they, they also say that white sand is uh, of all sorts is usually made by material breaking down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces um, and in water with high concentrations of calcium carbonate, as I mentioned. So like that, like think about like coral or skeletons breaking down um, that something really fascinating can happen. A tiny particle gets coated over time with miracles. I'm sorry, minerals, Mineral. <laughs> minerals, um, and that minerals. can um, it becomes a special type of sand. It can become a special type of sand grain called an ule, which is adorable. An ule. Um, so it's really fascinating. Of course, we use sand as a construction material. We use it for lots of different things. Um, and we mine huge quantities of it to make concrete. Um, there's actually such a high demand for sand around the world that there is an illegal worldwide sand market that has exploded in recent years. Can you believe this? An illegal sand market. Um, in 2013, it was estimated that this business was about 16 million worth about 16 million dollars a month. So it's like quite a big business, really. Anyway, India has a sand mafia apparently, um, which is notorious for using violence, bribery and coercion in the course of illegally collecting and selling sand. So here I am thinking it's this like playful thing that you stick in a bucket and tap the bucket and it's a little castle. People are properly, it's, it's a pretty fascinating thing, but it is kind of at risk because sand is a sort of finite natural resource, which like fossil fuels takes centuries to form. For sand to get to that particle, that size, takes millions and millions, well not millions of years, it can just at least take a few hundred thousand. Um, and it really has to do that. And of course, we're accelerating the rates of the usage that we're using that sand. Um, in 2014, the UN Environmental Programme declared that sand mining was causing unequivocal environmental problems. This is actually becoming kind of an issue. Um, a 2017 study linked sand mining to increased coastal erosion, um, especially um, which is especially devastating for areas that are prone to tsunamis. So, of course, just recap in case you've all forgotten how we're destroying our planet. <laughs> and then, you know, like global warming and climate change and things are hotter and sea and levels rise and then mining. we're taking the sand away from the beach. Yeah, so it's all it's all just throwing it on the heap of things that we've done wrong, really. And of course, there um, are man-made beaches as well, where people are importing sand from elsewhere. Like, for example, famous Repulse Bay. That's actually Repulse Bay. Yeah, yes. that's that's a that's a man-made beach too. Absolutely, and I mean, sometimes we're making those beaches to protect coastal areas or to provide some protection. Um, the interesting thing is the the process of digging up sand can also contaminate groundwater. 
and drive it deeper underground. So this is really interesting. As a direct result of doing this, about digging up sand, farmers in Sri Lanka would, were having difficulty finding clean water to grow crops. Like there's a real balance for why things are falling the way they are, why we have a beach there, why we have a coastal line there, where we have sand dunes there. The world's worked its rhythm out. And if we start just coming and scooping it all up and taking it away, we do actually disrupt something. Um, super interestingly, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of creatures that, um, there's not, a, that there's very few animals that live in the sand, right? What about so those crabs? Most, yes, so that's one of the very few. That's correct. So most can't make their home in the sand because it's always shifting and changing. I mean, like every time you go to the beach, it's a bit different. You know what I mean? Um, but there are a few critters, like you said, who burrow into the sand to protect themselves from heat and cold and predators. And these are things like crustaceans and crabs and beach flies and beetles and stuff like that. And sand does have a wonderful safe spot for sea turtles to lay their eggs too. I have noticed sometimes on the beach, have you ever been to the beach where there's one of those giant wasps has dug a hole in the sand? No, but I you know the crabs those? dig the, the, the holes and then they go in, but I've not seen wasps do that. Cool. Yeah, there's like there's kinds of so there's like beetles and other insects can also use coastal areas to kind of dig holes, which is a bit spooky when you think about your kids digging them up, but that's all right. Um of course, um there are some also some nasty um animals, species that live in sand too, such as parasitic insects called sand fleas. So these uh, oh. tiny monsters burrow into, and these can burrow into a person's skin and stay there for up to two weeks, eventually spewing hundreds of eggs. I've just ruined Blah. sand for everyone. Um, but the good news is most of the time, if the, the sand's kind of disturbed through waves and people, then it probably is less likely to happen. Um, interestingly, in 2017, researchers at an, uh, the Max Planck Institute for Marine Microbiology found whole communities of assorted microbes living on the surface of single grains of sand, which is amazing. Like a tiny universe on each grain of sand. And so it's really fascinating. And people look at sand close up all the time because sand forensics experts who exist, apparently, sand can sometimes forensics. tell from, <laughs> sand forensics experts can tell from the minerals present in a sample as well as the grain size where it might have originated from, which is super, super interesting. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of it's kind of fascinating in in lots of different ways. Um, but we 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 know a lot about sand because obviously we don't just find sand on coasts. We also find sand in sand in deserts, um, and some deserts are really 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 old. Um, apparently, the famous explorer Marco Polo once wrote about hearing mysterious spirit voices echoing in the Gobi Desert. Um, however, that's obviously not. Uh, entirely true, but apparently there's a little bit of truth to singing sand dunes. Um, some Californian researchers observed sand dunes singing, booming, and even burping, <laughs> because apparently uh, they identified rippling seismic waves, sort of low-frequency acoustic energy as the cause, and these seismic waves can be the result of sand avalanches created by gusts of wind or people. So people would move around on the dunes, or the wind would move the dunes, and they've got all this weight of all the sand and all these grains, and the sand dune would burp. So there was that, which is delightful. Um, of course, we know, uh, did you know that Mars is covered in sand and dust? Um, since the atmosphere does allow for wind to occur, sand dunes are actually very common on Mars, apparently. Um, and NASA's Curiosity rover even managed to make a panorama of ancient petrified sand dunes, which means they're all preserved and everything else. And they've seen that they can move very, very quickly. Sometimes they can move 4.5 meters in just 105 days. So they, there's kind of a lot of movement all the time, which is super interesting. Um, unlike solid mountains, 
it can be very hard to determine the age or origin of a sand dune. So sand dunes can be very dynamic structures, moving place and continuously changing. Smaller ones form and then they disappear and things like that. Um, but huge 300 plus meter ones like June 7, specific June, um, these can take a really, really long time to form. And scientists usually try to find out the earliest date the June started forming, but it can be really tricky. The age of an individual grain of sand can certainly be dated. So you can find one grain of sand, you can probably date it sometimes to even millions and millions and millions of years ago. Um, but unfortunately, the age of one particular grain of sand doesn't reveal where the grain of sand actually started to be part of a sand dune. So it's so fascinating it's kind of like you're trying to study something that's actually really dynamic moving all the time it's 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 quite fascinating really the namib um namib desert is 55 million years old it's, the, it's not only the oldest desert in the world it's also home to the second highest sand dunes in the world which is amazing um and the translation of namib is vast place or simply place where there is nothing and the desert stretches across the atlantic coast of angola namibia and south um south africa this is why many think the pink and bright orange namib desert dunes are the most iconic and spectacular in the world and that they they have that june 7 that huge june that i mentioned people are really interested to find out where it comes from so fascinatingly uh, sand is pretty much everywhere even in places that you wouldn't expect um, and of course, as I said, we're, there's this illegal thing of um, when we think about desert sand, it's kind of been eroded. It's been eroded through thousands of years of wind, and then we think about coastal sand, and that's thousands upon thousands of years of water. So it, it's kind of amazing. Um, but of course, sand is also the foundations of of like banks of islands so like you think of like disputed territories like it's a foundation if you put enough sand in one place it pops out the water you've created a land mass so it can be quite a political thing as well what people do with sand um but yes it's not um sand is basically the pinnacle of a endlessly churning rock cycle that has been shaping the surface of our earth for the last 4.5 billion years. This has just been happening on and on and on and on. So as I said, we've got um, things like black sands made from volcanic rocks. You've got former minifera star sand in Okinawa, Japan. So another contributor to sand, as I mentioned, like that white sand is the exoskeletons of dead sea animals. And you find these a lot in places like Mexico and Hawaii and things like that. So they're worn down bits of um, dead animal. And they have this in um, Okinawa, Japan. They have like tiny little star sand gradules because they're little exoskeletons of sea creatures. Yes, I've seen those before. They are like little um, snowflakey type things. So they look like stars. Wow, yes, 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 like that. Exactly. Which is amazing and so beautiful. Um, Interestingly, though, of course, a recent contribution to sand is human waste and garbage, not human waste as a species, as human waste is in garbage, especially manufactured glass. However, you know, which is, of course, a lovely thing to go find. We always used to find sea glass on the beach and it's nice and smooth and, it, you know, it's beautiful, different colors and stuff like that. But the amount of sea glass on beach has actually decreased in recent years because people are actually... Um, uh, have shifted to plastics, oh. so people don't a don't use as much glass, so we have more plastics, which obviously would make a horrible it's sand work, and yeah. doesn't make sand because it floats and all those microplastic. Yes, yeah. So it's kind of um, it's kind of a, a sort of a fascinating thing. Um, and you're right, Cruz. We don't children really know love that. children love sand, and it just made me think that's like the world's oldest toy, if you think about it. Yeah, it's kind of it is. It's it's very sensorial, isn't it? Yes. Like if you can imagine 
living somewhere like I always think about this and you see stories of this like I mean in Hong Kong we have quite a variety of environments right like uh, natural environments we have we have forest we have jungle we have coastline we I wouldn't say we have like grassy plains but we kind of do have like rural agricultural do, yeah, areas yeah. new territories you know so we have quite a variety but if you were from somewhere where you'd never seen sand before you know it would be remarkable mm. like standing on sand and that sensation of feeling sand under your feet yeah. you know what i mean and i think that's for kids it's really fascinating because it is so sensorial in a way um and of course it's it's remarkable that like yeah and it's it's i find it a really a really interesting thing and especially if you look at it under a microscope it's never the same twice mm. there's so much that makes it up and you're talking about something that's pretty much the smallest it can be naturally as i said like you can't really break it down more than like a half a millimeter size it, it's otherwise you're getting into like i suppose a powder like and and that would be very hard to do naturally you wouldn't have like you know like flour the consistency of flour you wouldn't really have, be able to have that for sand in our natural environment because it wouldn't form that way so it's it's a really fascinating thing um of course uh it's a really interesting thing thinking about like i always wonder what like, what was it like when the earth had no sand like you know what i mean uh -huh. when it when it before because it took time for it to happen right so i'm like what was it like was it just big chunks of rock and water was it not like that i need to talk to a just the dinosaurs uh, roaming around geologist. before their bones got... Yeah, sure, maybe they did that. Yeah. They did that. That's a good story I can tell my children later. The dinosaurs squash the rocks into sand. It's a lie, <laughs> but um, it'll be a good way to say it. Um, I do... Uh, I, I've got a couple of quotes we can end on today, too, actually. Um, Perfect. Which is super interesting. So the first one is um, from Robert W. Service, who said, It isn't the mountain ahead that wears you out. It's the grain of sand in your shoe. And I was like, okay, yes. yeah, it's true. It's those little, little irritants. You know what I mean? It's that little irritant, that little bit of sand in your shoe that's going to wear you out, right? Um, uh, Octavia Spencer, the amazing American actress, said, <clears throat> uh, which is a nice, this is a lovely multi-layered sand metaphor. She said, we all have hourglass figures. Your sand just settles in different places. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Which I thought was lovely. And James Jeans said, um, put three, three grains of sand inside a vast cathedral and the cathedral will be more closely packed with sand than space is with stars. That's very... So this is always something I find fascinating. Like when you're trying to comprehend, and it's very hard for human beings to comprehend big numbers, when we're trying to comprehend the vastness of the universe, I remember someone telling me, well, a scientist telling me, there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on every beach on Earth, right? Like, that's huge. Like, you can't even Just contemplate infinite. how many. Infinite, infinite. But space is so big that if you were to put three grains of sand in a cathedral, there would be, as he said, it would be more closely packed with sand than spaces with stars. So that just gives you a scale of how vast space is, space is yeah. and how tiny sand is. And how small and we are. How, and how small we are. It's remarkable, I think, you know? Yeah. Wow. So anyway, so I was thinking about that, yeah. 
very good crews playful and philosophical i like that <laughs> about... Playful and philosophical. we went full we went full scoop <laughs> yes well cruz thank you so much for your sharing today we learned so much about sand and also the history of sand i see there's something else you've got for us there is this one more quote i forgot by rachel carson i'll say it really quickly um which is beautiful um and we should all think about as we walk down a beach or as our children scoop sand for the 1700th time that hour in every outthrust headland, in every curving beach, in every grain of sand, there is the story of the earth. Wow. Beautiful. That's a beautiful and perfect quote to end on. Well, Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing. Wonderful quotes, wonderful sharing, and the great history of sand. Really, I've never heard of black sand before, so really enlightened us. Thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to more chats with you next week. Thank you so much, Cruzy McCalligan. See you.